Well, for more than two years now, I think we've all been acutely aware of the risks of COVID-19. But what about the lingering impacts of contracting the virus? My next guest, a doctor, contracted COVID-19 in late 2020. Little was known then about what we know now about long COVID, as it's called. To this day, she copes with some of the telltale symptoms of long COVID, including heart inflammation, intense fatigue, and breathing trouble. A preliminary study in Quebec focusing on healthcare workers found that high prevalences of post-COVID health issues among healthcare workers in that province, uh, apparently according to a report, 6,000 out of more than 17,000 confirmed cases among healthcare workers in Quebec between July 2020 and May 2021. So those are after effects of COVID. Joining me now is Dr. Anne Berreur. She's a family and palliative care physician who is coping with the effects of long COVID. Dr. Berreur, thank you so much for being here tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you, Bonsoir. Bonsoir and bienvenue. Um, tell me a bit, I mean, I, I was reading a bit about about uh, about what you've been going through the last year, but how soon after you had recovered from your bout of COVID did you start to feel these effects of, of long COVID? Well, actually, for my part, when I was infected in late December 2020, I thought I'd be over it in 10 days and back with my team like a bit more secure than I'd caught it. But I am among the ones who never recovered. Some people with long COVID do have slight infections and are better afterwards and progressively symptoms of long COVID set in. But for my part, uh, I was quite sick, although not hospitalized. But I never quite recovered. So it's progressively some symptoms have been a bit better. But most of it, unfortunately, is still there now. Right. So you weren't in a situation where you went back to work or started to pick up some of your old habits and so forth. You simply um, fell ill and then continued to suffer from some of those same symptoms that we know that we know well. Um, how has it impacted? I mean, what does it what does a day look like for you now, and how much has it changed since before? Well, it's changed a lot, and as you said, I've not unfortunately been back to work at all in the last year, or actually even more than a year now. I'm lucky that I was able to be uh, among patients in different research projects. So along the way, some conditions have been identified, and I've had some treatment for them. So I'm better now than I was a year ago. A year ago, I could read about five minutes at a time and then rest probably for half an hour. So I was really pacing my way through every day, doing things all by little bits at a time to try and achieve something in one day, even if that was a laundry or whatever. And progressively, I had, as I said, the luck to be a bit better with some conditions. So I'm glad that now I can read a bit more and I can also speak a bit more even though still have some trouble breathing. But every day I would say is made of trying to prioritize on what's most important to do and really understand that if I push just a little too much, I'll be out for many days. So it's that precarious. Sorry? 
Sorry, it's that precarious. Even if you go push just a little too hard on one day, maybe go a little, walk a little too much or, or exert too much, you know that you're going to suffer for it for, for a few days to come. Yes, actually, what you're, what you're describing, and I've actually been describing a bit, is what we call post-exertional malaise, which mm-hmm. is the hallmark symptoms, a symptom of a myalgic encephalomyelitis which I'll call Emmy because my vocal cords really don't like those long words. And it really resembles what a lot of people with long COVID are experiencing. It's an exacerbation of symptoms that can happen after like a very, very trivial effort that for some is just taking a shower or reading just a longer text. I'm lucky I can do a bit more before I reach my threshold because thresholds are like triggers are different for most people. So I'm lucky I can do a bit more than some, but if I go just a little bit over, most of the time the day after, I'll be in bed for, as you said, a couple of days and sometimes then weeks. So you kind of learn the hard way how to pace yourself when experiences when experiencing those post-exertional malaise. If you're just joining us, I'm speaking with Dr. Anne Berreur from Montreal. She's a family and palliative care physician who contracted COVID back in late 2020 and is still suffering from many of the effects of it. Uh, something that we've discussed, of course, that we now call long COVID, even though the term itself seems um, maybe like a term that might need some redefining over time. But for the time being, long COVID is what we've been calling it. I'm trying to ask longer questions to give you a rest, uh, Dr. Berard, uh, in between these questions. Uh, you're a physician. I know that as, you know, for those who aren't medically trained, the anxiety of not knowing what's happening to you can often be very difficult. You're a physician. You might have a better understanding to some extent of what you're experiencing. But how much, how anxious a year or year and a half has this been for you? Actually, that's really something. I'm sort of an anxious person in life, I would say. But strangely, I've just been trying to go one day at a time. And I personally actually don't really understand. But I've been quite serene over the last year, knowing that something is going on that I cannot explain where we don't have actually we don't have much answers yet. We do have more than when it started last year but I'm lucky enough that compared to some patients and you're talking about anxiety, unfortunately a lot of patients with long COVID have been told that all tests are normal and that you know doesn't seem to be anything wrong. So it might be just their anxiety and stress and just take time and it will be better. So a lot of people actually have been really anxious because you do feel that something's wrong and it was, which is also what I'm feeling. But I've been really convinced that something's been going on and over the last year we've learned a lot on long COVID, so I'm lucky that anxiety was not among most of my issues, but I really understand how patients being gaslighted, unfortunately, too much 
not from, you know, negligence most of times or doctors not wanting to understand, but mostly from just not knowing. And unfortunately, with medicine, we kind of want to like to know what's going on. And when faced with the uncertainty, it's sometimes hard to just say, I see that something's going on, but I just cannot tell you what's going on. And I think that's something, as a physician, I will learn even more than before having this experience in the past year. Right. That, 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 uh, I mean, I've remembered over the years, whether it was chronic fatigue syndrome, there's been all sorts of things over the years where people have said, I, there's something wrong with me. And then it's been hard to identify precisely what that is. Are you able to speak to others with, with these same, um, enduring symptoms? Are you able to speak to others and sort of commiserate or at least comfort each other or talk about what's going on, offer you, offer each other some sort of advice or some sort of support? Yes, actually, this is something that's been really comforting in the last year. I've been meeting a lot of new people and also, unfortunately, some people I already knew but who still actually have the same condition with lung COVID. So I grew closer to them and grew closer to ME community, which is the other name for chronic fatigue syndrome, which is not so appreciated sometimes because of all the stigmatization that's been around it. But so, and any community has been very helpful to understand about post-exertional malaise and how to learn and pace through every day. And so this community has been helping long COVID patients to learn and we've tied bonds quite close. And also in the long COVID community in Quebec, we do have a Facebook group where a lot of people have grouped together to share what they're feeling, to ventilate, get support, and also try to find as best information as possible with all the uncertainties that we still have to um, help each other understand and bring actually good information to doctors and physicians so they can be helped. So that's really been something very helpful for me and I guess also for many, many people. I'm speaking with Dr. Anne Berard, a family and palliative care physician in Montreal who is coping with the effects of long COVID. After this, we'll talk a bit more about what hope there is for the future in terms of diagnoses, treatments, and so forth, and how much, how far we've come over the last year, I understand there's still a lot to learn, but that we've already learned a lot more than we knew uh, when you first started suffering these in, these symptoms. Uh, we'll be back after this. I'm speaking with Dr. Anne Berard from Montreal. She's a family and palliative care physician uh, who has been coping with the effects of long COVID, meaning she's been off work since late 2020 as she recovers, continues to recover from the effects of the virus. Um, Dr. Berard, how much how much more do we know now than we knew a year ago? And are there any treatments that are out there yet that are helping? Actually, we I think we do know a lot more than a year ago. There there were hypotheses that have been like surging all in the last year on different possible mechanisms. I guess many of them will be 
sometimes some of a cascade that might be able to explain. You mentioned a bit earlier that long COVID uh, is still a mix. We often call it an umbrella. I usually sort of try and classify it between sequelae, sequelae of complications from COVID, and then the post-viral type syndrome. So having this umbrella still makes it hard to classify like all the symptoms. And in many studies, since cohorts are still mixed up, it's sometimes hard to draw conclusions. But the more we advance and understand this, the different hypotheses are helping to uh, plan more research. On your questions of treatment, unfortunately, we're not there yet. There is yet no specific treatment for long COVID, although many conditions that come with it, if, you know, when they found you talked about I had some heart inflammation, this has been able to be treated because this is something that's known, so we know how to treat it. And there are many other symptoms that, or syndromes that can be treated. For instance, some type of dysautonomia, which is a long term to say that the nervous system is not controlling properly some functions. So a lot of people do have some tachycardia, which is the heart racing when they would stand up at any moment. We call it post. I've got a little brain fog here. Post uh, postural would, orthostatic tachycardia right. syndrome. I'm sorry, we call it POTS. That's all right. You're right. And so this is something we already know a bit more about. So there are treatments that can help those symptoms on an everyday basis and really better up the quality of life. So even though yet we're not able to treat directly the long COVID, which I really hope we will be in the, in the future as close as possible, we can still understand many things going on around and help patients. But this is through sometimes complex evaluations which are not so accessible yet. So I really hope that we do have some care pathways to help patients more until we have like a definite cure. Yeah, I was going to ask you uh, as a last question, Dr. Brera, just what is it now? You're, obviously, things have changed a lot. What are you, are you still, do you must remain hopeful that this will, that you'll find a certain sense of, of normalcy, or at least that you'll, you'll recover some of what has been lost, if I can put it that way? Yes, definitely. I understand that with some of the symptoms in the post-viral syndromes, there are uh, people who unfortunately have been sick for years, decades, and those syndromes have been neglected by research for too long. But seeing what's been happening with long COVID still gives me hope that research will sort of do giant pace in the last, in the next months, years. So we can pretty much maybe all together try and find some cures and to, yes, give some normalcy back, some capacities back 
I'd like to have my full brain again and just not, you know, trip over, tip over pots, which is such an easy word normally for me. But right. yes, I do still have hope. And I would say I also have hope that people will understand all the risks related to COVID and that there are ways to reduce the risk of transmission, understanding that it's airborne and how to prevent it, because it's not just a flu for so many people, and this has to be understood. So as much as I want treatment for myself and all other long haulers, I really hope people gather how COVID can be a long-term issue for so many people and understand that everyone should really try not to catch it. Dr. Pereira, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you for shedding light on this, on this issue. I appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for talking about it. I think it's how we're going to have more people understand. Thank you.